I feel social media has become the biggest pyramid scheme since Tupperware. You have these people who are very influential, the Steve Bartlett's of the world, the Gary V's, all these really clever, creative people who built something out of their own brand and then monetized by building these content machines and agencies off the back of it. At this point, we are well into a brand new year, 2024, and as hard as that is to believe, a lot of us are back on the road and traveling and doing all the things that you do in 2024, and I'm really excited. We're going to talk a bit, speaking of travel, about uh, some of the stuff that we can learn from the social media, ex-head of social media, I should say, at Ryanair. Of course, we're talking about Michael Corcoran, now a managing partner at Frankly, um, until recently, Michael was the head of social at Ryanair. A lot of really, really compelling insights about kind of what's broken about social, what we can learn from what they did at Ryanair to make it better, and so on. Yeah, Daniel, I'm really excited to have Michael on the show today. And listeners, of course, I'm not Hannah, I'm Leanne. I'm jumping in the co-host seat with Daniel this week. Um, can't believe it took this long for us to co-host together. But we have an awesome episode ready for you guys today. And Michael has some of the juiciest social media insights and tips for you. And I'm really excited for everyone to hear it. Yep, indeed. We won't give any of it away. It's all packed inside the episode. So without further ado, here's Michael Corcoran, managing partner at Frankly. So Michael Corcoran, welcome to Social Pros. We are absolutely delighted to have you on the show today. A lot of conversation for us to have about social media strategy, things that are broken for brands. Uh, but before we get into those big, heavy, weighty topics, uh, give us some background and perspective. Your your background, of course, you're, you were uh, until recently head of social at one of Europe's big airlines, Ryanair. So give us some background on kind of how you came into that role and and uh, and all that. Sure. Look, let's set the we've set the bar high. We, we sound like we're going to solve all social media's problems in a 25-minute conversation, but let's uh let's manage expectations here. Um I'm Michael Corkin for for many people in the industry, they might associate me with being the head of social media at Ryanair. Um certainly we've grabbed a lot of attention over the last couple of years. Um but for others I've worked across the industry for the best part of 12 to 15 years and I think like everyone else, we're, we're all trying to figure it out and social media is now black and white. And I guess a lot of the frustrations I do have at the moment are built around people who think they categorically know how to use the platforms when they're forever changing, so fragmented and can be used in so many, many beautiful ways. And I think that's what fueled a lot of the direction of why Ryanair became what it was and why so many people grow fondly uh, towards it or gravitate towards it as a great use of social media. And on the flip side, why many others within the industry thinks it's not how brands should survive or behave on, on the platforms. Um, look, Ryanair was a, was a crazy two and a half years where we brought to life a social media brand that for many, um, maybe across the States or even across the world, weren't familiar of the marketing that the brand had and the DNA and the history that it had for many, many years. So I'll never claim to fame that I, I manifested something um, from nothing. Um, a lot of the work that we developed was built on a very, very tight and as close to co coherent strategy as we could have developed. 
And the DNA was a huge part of that. That was the brand insight that we unpacked to figure out where we could have a point of difference or be different and show up on social media. Um, and, and as I mentioned, like in the past, Ryanair have been known to be this provocative, you know, disruptive brand. And it was used for many, many years across PR and certainly in, in, in advertising when we spent money on advertising. And as a low cost airline, we didn't. And we took a lot of learnings from the tone of voice that we used in PR from our, our CEO for many, many years and found other problems, gaps and opportunities within social to insert ourselves and use that as a point of difference in the category and possibly across many, many brands that allowed us, I guess, to stand out and grab attention a bit more. And for for many audiences, people were familiar when we did it and when we showed up, it was somewhat accepted. But there are probably a lot of people out there who were surprised by how we behaved, which I, I guess why is why we have a a very polarizing view, whether it was the right or wrong thing to do. Um yeah, so it was crazy. Do you want me to break down the strategy a little bit or or what way do you want to unpack this conversation? Yeah, I mean, I, I Ryanair is such a fascinating uh, case study. Not only, I mean, the airline industry is incredibly challenging to operate in as a social media brand to begin with, but uh, Ryanair has such a reputation for just doing things in such a different way. Uh, so that, that has to create has to have created, I should say, challenges for not just internal uh, uh, conversations, but also even team dynamics, keeping you know, the, the social media team that, that you worked with motivated and engaged and sort of wanting to show up every day to work. Yeah. Like I'll give you some context, I guess, like when it comes to advertising in the airline industry and when you try to show up, when you compare it to other airlines, Ryanair is a low cost airline by heart. So every step, every movement within the journey is a lean, mean fighting machine. And that comes true to the marketing as well. There isn't over investing, there isn't high budgets, there isn't a lot of money spent on advertising compared to a lot of other airlines within the category. So for every center, every, you know, uh, resource that's put into advertising, we had to try and get probably, again, this is no science, 10 to 20x the return on investment of the budget across headcount and advertising that we then we that we had to do compared to every other airline. So that in itself became a difficult challenge to overcome because if we started to behave like other airlines in advertising with less, far less budget, uh, we would just be joining the clutter and the joining the sea of sameness that is social media. And that goes to the second part or the second insight that we unpacked in the category was most people are trying to differ. And when I say most people, most airlines and most most people in the category are trying to deliver luxury filtered travel experiences when it comes to aviation. And that's not necessarily the reality. At the end of the day, most people are 35,000 feet in the air in a big metal box. And it's uncomfortable for most of the journey. You know, and there's there's only so many things that will make it that bit more comfortable, like first class, which most of us can't afford. So uh, on top of the actual product that you're selling, when it came to communications too, it was also very, very similar. So they all navigated towards selling the destination as a fake filtered 
polished premium inspiration or aspirational piece of communications that every brand in the airline industry and beyond were trying to deliver on social media. And if you remove the badge or the logo from most of the content that people were putting out there, you probably couldn't even tell the difference. So when it came to strength of, of brand, strength of message, strength of the things you're trying to communicate in the platforms, it was becoming very, very difficult. And that's what most brands are getting wrong on social as a whole, because we're all acting the same, we're all doing the same, and we're all blending in. And it's this sea of sameness and this sea of vanilla corporate content that is delivering really low and poor content for people to consume. So when you add the DNA and you add the category, that the, the, the insight around that, the last piece of the puzzle beyond the social media landscape, which I'll get to, was actually around the perception of travel. And the last piece we unpacked within the insight was around people's expectations of traveling low costs were way too high. And I'll add some context here. Before Ryanair, or even let's take Spirit in the US as well, came to town, aviation was a luxury. It wasn't a commodity. To travel, say, from Dublin to London in Europe cost about £300 at the time, which is quite a lot of money for a 40-minute flight. Ryanair came to town and they actually uh, made travel affordable. They democratized travel and it became 50 euro to travel, which was game changing. And it was that democratization of travel that's disrupted the category. But for some reason, as time went by, there was still an expectation for some people and some audiences that traveling was still a luxury. And there was a challenge around that and trying to change the mindset of that, that we identified as another insight, the expectation, even though they were paying 20 euro, 10 euro for a, a, a two hour flight from Dublin to Malaga, London to, you know, Barcelona, they were still looking for the premium luxury airline experiences for a flight that cost you potentially a glass of wine and a packet of peanuts, you know, and it was, it was crazy. So looking at all those three insights around, you know, what was in our DNA, how to stand out from the category and call bullshit on the kind of the overly filtered and premium nature of selling basically traveling in a tin can and match with that perception change of the, the experience, we identified a couple of problems that we could solve. And again, trying to change people's perception, manage their expectations, understanding the model and finding a way to reach as many people as possible for a low cost. Now, the last piece of the puzzle was the social media landscape. And this is really important for me. Like the, the two main motivations most people go to social media for, one is to be entertained and want us to get away from the chaos of their lives. And again, if we can all relate here, most of those moments are small pockets or small bursts of consumption throughout your day. That's whether you're in a 12-hour shift and in a job, whether you're commuting or you're, you're traveling in, in a car or a bus on the way to work or on the way to college or school, whether you're in the toilet for a sneaky 15 minutes. And if anybody lies about being on their phone in the toilet, you know, I'm going to call it out live on this. These are all the moments that we have. And what most content producers in the world of brand marketing do is they try to think about premium polished passive content that they then try to serve in a quite an active newsfeed with very short opportunities to win. Then they try and layer it on top with too many mixed messages from their own brand let alone from others. So not only are you competing with your own, with yourself, you're competing with other brands in your category. Not only are you competing with other brands in the category, you're competing with other brands. 
Not only are you competing with other brands, you're competing with creators. You're competing with individuals. You're create. You're competing with your brother who's just gone for a beautiful Sunday misty morning walk in January where his dog's got covered in muck and he takes this lovely photo for Instagram. It's all of these moments that make these news feeds really, really challenging. And for some reason, most brands don't understand how to cater to those two needs. Entertainment and escapism. Now again, entertainment doesn't have to be somebody shit posting on the internet about a poor experience from a customer flying a low cost airline. There's many emotions we can evoke. There's many opportunities to entertain. And Ryanair were one of those that chose a certain direction. And that direction is more than likely uh, the exception rather than the norm. And we basically looked at the motivations and the real reasons why people came to these platforms. And then we cross and intersected it with those insights and those problems. We unpacked and found three Three basic problems that we wanted to solve around low cost, high return reach, about a point of difference in the category uh, and becoming a tonic on social media because nobody else was doing that for those motivations. And third, changing the perception, making people hate Ryanair less because at a moment in time, there was a lot of vitriol and dislike and Ryanair became this kind of legacy meme. If you would have asked a friend or foe, um, when you bumped into them and you were having small talk with them in, in the shopping center, for example, or a shopping mall, you would ask them, oh, did you go on holidays recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went for two weeks in Spain. Who'd you fly with? Ryanair. The default reaction for most people when that name is mentioned is a tush and an eye roll. Oh, Jesus, Ryanair. And it doesn't mean they needed to do it because probably most of them flew there cheaply on time and had the best experience ever. But for some reason, they do that. So we leaned in on all of this. We leaned in on these moments. We leaned in on these perceptions and we started to find and identify a way to do it. The last piece to layer on this, by the way, is then how and how we approach basically creatively we could do it. Um, and when it came to entertaining and, and escapism and kind of that, that style of content, we leaned in then on how creators did it. And it allowed us to then focus on that point of difference within the category. It, it made How do we show up and not look like another corporate brand? Well, we looked at what was most engaging and what was most sticky in the platforms, and it was the emergence of TikTok and the role creators played in doing that. They broke the mold of the fake filtered nature of social media that the likes of Instagram built for a long period of time, that corporate brands built that really wasn't working and was actually putting people off social. For some reason, TikTok allowed people to come forward, to be more creative, to be more different, to be more unique, share experiences, be a tonic, and be comfortable with being themselves on the internet. And we leaned in and learned a lot of that and a lot of the work we did on TikTok and carried across a lot of the work we did even further. Now, hopefully I'm not confusing too many people because I can go on tangents. So bring me back into the room if you can. Um, the last piece of the puzzle as to why we thought creator content worked really well. It was because it was real, it was lo-fi and it, was, it wasn't, you know, polished or corporate in its style. And that leaned in very well to the type of brand we wanted to be in shop as well. And what do I mean by that? There was another kind of edge we wanted to do because we're a low cost airline. We wanted to have our content that this was an art directional choice in our strategic pillars. Now, we wanted to make our content look lo-fi because it set and sent it a message that not only was it fit for purpose on the channel, but it, it made people think that our content was so crap that we didn't care about marketing. And it kind of sent a message out that that was kind of true, but only certain things in marketing that we we didn't care about. We didn't care about overinvestment in the wrong things. And we wanted to send the message that we can still be creative. We can still use these platforms, but we're not going to overinvest in marketing because everything else we obsess about is about putting 
airplanes in the sky as safely as possible and give you the low price possible too. So all of that kind of mixed into this cocktail. We turned on the blender and we started to get to work from that point on. Yeah, I think something that a lot of people who aren't familiar with Ryanair doesn't know is that you guys had did such a great job in like really tapping in the personal brand. And one of the things that you had mentioned previously is that sea of sameness. Mm. And I feel like something that really ties into that is the personal brand that has been growing a lot on social. However, I mean, me personally, I've seen just copy and paste of so many different things on social where I don't have that escape from social anymore. I feel like I'm seeing the same thing over and over again. And um, I'm sure you, you're going to love this question, but like, I would love to know, like, your opinion on this new era of social media and why to you it's gonna it's appearing more of like a pyramid scheme yeah i kind of i've made this sweeping state before i feel social media has become the biggest pyramid scheme since topoware and what do i mean by that i mean at the top of the kind of pyramid you have these people who are very influential and quite good at what they do. They like their own personal building of what they've done. The Steve Bartlett's of the world, the Gary V's, all these really clever, creative people who've built something out of their own brand and their own content and then monetized by building these content machines and agencies off the back of it. You know, and there's a lot to learn from them for many good ways. But what's happening is across the likes of TikTok, and again, it's probably, it's probably the problem of how, how trends have been our friends and our enemies at the same time. We all started to identify trending sounds and, and trends were, were ways to get a free reach and a lot of access to reach on these platforms. Um, and it was a gateway to become famous within days or, or become a nobody and become a somebody very, very quickly. But what it also meant was that these people sitting at the top of the pyramids who want to become these voices of social or, or these influencers of social, as they started to put their message out there, you had people who were copying what they were saying, how they were saying it, and how they were executing it. And bear with me for a second. I like to call them the TikTok creeps. And what do I mean by that? You have these guys who are on TikTok and, and Instagram Reels now who have the podcast mic, who have the, 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 the uh, neon lights in the background, who have the yellow text with the back outline, black outline, and who are saying the same thing with these jump cuts, or sorry, the jump cut creeps, not the TikTok creeps, I remember you used to call them, because everything they used to do were these unnecessary jump cuts to grab attention, to make their content hooky after time. And every time one of the, the bigger guys comes out with this powerful message, you're guaranteed to see 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 people coming with the same style of content with the same message all the time, thinking that that's the right way to do it for everybody. And what it's doing, it's, it's setting people up for failure by not really thinking about how to solve a problem for each individual brand or business. Yes, there are a lot of learnings to get to, to take from what people are saying um, and what people are learning from the work they're doing. But a lot of these people are not proven in how they've actually did to develop case studies in genuine work that works and then impart and pull back the curtain a little to share a bit of that experience. What these guys are doing, they're like the crypto bros. They're chasing a quick buck. They're creating this content thinking, I've, I've had one viral TikTok video and now I'm a social media expert. Now, if you buy my playbook for $35, I'm going to show how you can become one too. And then if you follow me on my journey, we're all going to do it. But we all look the same. We all act the same. We're all using the same tactics. And that's where the biggest failure is because social media at the moment is just full of tactics and it lacks strategy. And that's probably the scariest thing that 
is is the reason why I've moved in the direction that I'm doing. And I'll, and I'll give you a couple of examples. I've had the privilege to do some keynote speaker events off the back of the work of Ryanair, and people want to understand how the hell that we do it. And in those presentations or those talks, I normally ask a question to people. And this varied from a room of 800 people in Ljubljana in Slovenia, beautiful country, by the way, and 100 people in Manchester. Uh, I asked how many people can put their hands up in the room and tell me that they have a documented social media strategy. And I said, do not put your hand up if your strategy is a list of content pillars, is a, is a list of the channels, the frequency you publish, or the list of tactics and the formats that you use, because that's not strategy. Put your hand up if you know a why, if you have a problem, a gap, or an opportunity you are using social media to solve, and then you've created a set of decisions. Not higher fast rules, a set of decisions that's getting you from where you are now to where you want to get to next. In the room of 800, three people put their hand up. In the room of 100, nobody put their hand up. And this is a room of marketing experienced professionals from big brands who are spending a lot of money on these platforms. Now, don't get me wrong. Some brands have followed it and have, you know, delivered well tactically. And there's probably some reasons and rationale as to why that might have happened. But for the vast majority of it, we're nasal giving at brands thinking that the tactics are really the solution to how they've been successful. And that's what happens when they look at somebody like Ryanair and what we did. They look at Ryanair and they go, oh, we need to be nasty to people on the Internet. We need to be provocative and disruptive to win. Yes and no. There are a lot of learnings to how we delivered and executed tonally. But again, I said earlier, Ryanair is the exception, not the norm. And I'd never prescribe certainly that tone or that approach to most other brands unless the insights started to navigate us towards that way. And what's really important while I'm trying to do and go on my little mission at the moment when it comes to talking onto a lot of podcasts and building the business that I'm building is that you can learn about the methods to the madness. You can learn that there was a strategy put behind it, or at least as close to it. Um, again, I even look back at what I did at Ryanair two years ago or two and a half years ago, putting a strategy together. And there's even looking back, I probably could have refined and done a better job and actually brought it to one problem, not three. Um, but that's evolution of myself. And, and, and looking back is always great. Hindsight is brilliant. But there was a strategy behind it. And not only was there a strategy behind it, but there was the assembling of a team fit to deliver on that specific strategy. Then there was planning and processes and coaching and development and autonomy given to deliver that continuously. And we weren't looking for a quick win. We were looking to build something sustainable and that takes time. And that's what I'm trying to go on the navigation to, to, to push through. That's why I, I'm trying to break through this world of tactics and these TikTok creeps and all these social media experts and all these agencies who are trying to sell tactics wrapped in strategy and try and do a better job. Because when you actually start to identify interesting problems the brand has, it unlocks a few things. More importantly, it probably gives you the best chance of using the platforms to actually have impact, but also we as an industry are so young and so probably under-resourced and underfunded. And I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who listen to your podcast who are social media teams of one or two with no support whatsoever. But we have a better job to do as a collective. You know, we're only 15 years in existence, but I don't blame CEOs or CMOs to not unlock more budget or not to give us greater opportunities to win. When their perception of what we do is a bunch of 12-year-olds on the internet publishing content. 
And I don't blame them for thinking that in many cases either. Do I think it's disrespectful? Of course I do. But we as an industry do not go into those meeting rooms where we probably only have 30 minutes with these senior people and try and convince them, well, what problems or what impact is social trying to make for the brand or business? Talking their language and then finding a way to prove that it worked beyond vanity metrics, because that's all we're doing. We're showing these campaigns and these tactical things and we're talking at a very low executional level that isn't going to get us a seat at the table. And that's kind of the journey I want to go on for everyone to try and do better. Because when we start doing that, and I can speak from experience, and it's not only Ryanair, it's everywhere that I've gone. When you start to point towards something that is moving a dial for brand or business, and you find it and you provide it with good rationale back to an insight, and you're really trying to solve a problem and try and then provide focus and impact, well, now you're probably going to get the ear of a CMO or a CEO a hell of a lot much more. You'll open up the door and you'll gain that respect. Now, I know that's hard because, again, I've been there, I've done that, I've worn the T-shirt. And again, I'll caveat Ryanair again. It wasn't like I was some sort of, you know, guru who stepped into the room and everybody bowed before me because I'm the almighty social god. No, I'm not. You know, I was lucky again at Ryanair where we had people who gave me the, the privilege and the responsibility to do it and do it right. And not many other brands have it. Um, because of what was done in the past, because, because our CEO was so polarizing and, and behaved in a very similar way, you know, it made it easier to convince the business to do it. Now, not all, not everybody was bought into it, but the right people were bought into it. And that gave us currency. So I can empathize again with most people who can't, but we have to, we must go on a journey to get more respect. But in order to get it, we've got to prove our point to have a lot better. And I don't believe we do that. And I don't believe agencies do it right. I don't believe social media professionals do it right. And it's an uncomfortable conversation to have. But I'm not doing it to be some sort of contrarian. I'm doing it because I'm obsessed about what I do. I love what I do. I love the industry. And I just want us all to be more respected and to do better work. I love everything you just said, and I I know I know our listeners can't see this, but Leana and me were both sitting here. Our nets, our heads are going up and down and up and down mm -hmm. and up and down with just about every comment you made because it's it's all so true. And I think Ryanair is an, a, a fa such a fascinating case study in how this worked because it is you know a bit of a controversial brand or uh, it's, mm. a, it's a brand that doesn't it doesn't have a lot of other marketing to compare it to. We had this, this uh, question came up on our 600th episode uh, a couple of months ago. And I'll ask it to you too, because I think your perspective on this will be very interesting. But if you could, and I love thinking about the world in this way, blow everything up and start over with, so, with social and social strategy for brands specifically, what, do you think is the best building blocks to start with today? What would, where would you start if a brand came to you and said, "Hey, Michael, we we want to either start from the ground ground zero or just blow everything up and start over"? What should we do? Well, we'd start off by not calling it social media. That'd be a good start. Um, we'd find a way to probably rename them as entertainment channels because that's what they are in their majority. I think. The, the the selling of the idea of there are these highly engaged community spaces where we all can hold hands in hands and jump around in circles singing kumbaya with brands. It's just it's a it's a falsehood. Is there a way to use community to solve a problem? 
Yes, there is. But there are many ways to use the platforms. But for the majority of it, it is a space where people to go to get away to be entertained or go back to those two points earlier. So I'd start by not calling it social media and calling it maybe some sort of media platform or channel or something or another. It's hard to say how you could fix it or, or, or reinvent how we've done everything. I, I think the problem that happened was that it was and became this new shiny toy when digital marketing was, was kind of coming up through the ranks too. And it created and scared a lot of agencies and businesses about how to market. And a bit like digital marketing, creative agencies wanted a, a piece of the pie at social media. So they thought they'd be good at it. You had digital agencies. Well, we're, we're the purists. We're the online people. So we know how to do it. Then you had the media agencies who wanted the piece of the pie and the PR. Why? Because it, it opened up an opportunity to get more revenue into these businesses and provide more services and more, I'll say this with inverted commas, creativity. Um, so everybody wanted the piece of the pie. Um, it would be great to potentially go back and never invent a social media agency either. Um, and the reason why I say this is because when you strip away the social media agencies or, or kind of the echo chamber that was created, um, you probably would strip it back a bit more to the main areas it should have could have been used. Really good creative to start with. And, and that's where all good social is born from really good ideas and really good storytelling much like good creative is across all forms of marketing and entertainment and really good use of media because if people understood the platforms and their life cycle we probably would have made some better decisions on how to use the platforms as well and what do i mean by that if you go through the life cycle of much much or many social media agencies or sorry not agencies the, the social media platforms themselves they start off as a startup the main aim is to get as many users as possible to use the platform. Once there's many users there, there's an audience. So then you invite businesses and creators and brands to use the platforms, selling the fact that we have these people who want content. So then they all create the content. So then it gets to a point where so many brands and so many users are on it. Now we've got so much people and, and, th and content we have to try and make money now because we've all these investors who invest in this platform who gave us millions and billions of money. We've got to try and make it back for them. So now let's put advertising on there. So now we're going to deprioritize all that reach we gave to you as brands first and that lovely shiny, shiny toy that we put out there. And now we're going to put advertising out there. We're going to minimize your reach and say there's a better way to do it if you pay us. And that's essentially the life cycle of most of them. And TikTok are, are at that period in the life cycle right now. And if you're a brand trying to start on TikTok right now and you're a brand trying to be organic on TikTok, you're really setting yourself up for a difficult challenge to succeed unless you got on the platforms early and got ahead like the likes of Orion Air they. So knowing that that's going to happen, I'd say a lot of brands can make the better decision that more than likely paid media and good creative would do probably most of the work that you need to do on these platforms. And you could probably forget about 90% of organic social content that's out there. Yes, you can still use organic style content in working with partners and creators and people on the platforms that still do a very good thing. And why do I think this is a, probably an important thing to think about is because if you turn off, let's again, there's, I have no data to back this up, 90% of branded social media content out there on social media right now, nobody would give a shit. But yet, 
because of this pyramid scheme we spoke about, because of all this thing we're doing, we are pumping so much money into these platforms organically, thinking that that's going to work. And these agencies I speak of before as well, the main diagnosis they give to most brands to solve their problem on social is to create more content. Why? Because that's how they make their money. And it's all been set up in a really terrible way without really uncovering how the potential could be. And I would I would probably be correct that if most people turn off their organic content and there's brands out there who are spending millions, millions of dollars on organic social and not getting any traction whatsoever, all for one to 2% marginal gains. And if they switched off probably all of that overnight, found a way to make some really great compelling content and put as much paid media behind that as possible, the amount of scale, the amount of reach, the amount of impact they would have on the platforms compared to potentially what they're doing now is transformative. But yet, for some reason, they're all wanting to deliver it in a way that Ryanair are doing it, which is fully organic, but yet they're unwilling to put a strategy behind it, do it consistently, or do it in a creative way that works. So the whole place is just, it's, it's wild. Yeah, if I could probably simplify it to two points is rename it from social media and go back to its roots of trying to do really good, compelling creative and use paid media for the majority of how we can use it. I love that. And I'm pretty sure some people that are listening are probably scared of your answer because I feel like one of the things that this new era of social is really scared about is sometimes diving back to what you know um, and the try and be like reevaluating how it can work better for your brand, especially now with everyone trying to be like the new Wendy's or like, for example, with you, the new Ryanair, like picking up where people are already successful and trying to duplicate where they're doing. It's like a trend hop that is never ending on social media. Mm -hmm. And that's why no one really ever stands out anymore because they're only focused on like the core vanity metrics. They're only focused on the... Um, the tactics, as you mentioned, and now focusing on the strategy behind, like, how can you do this for your brand and still produce longevity as well? And um, I know that there's something that you're really... I'd probably go yeah. one further, that if you actually ask them why the hell yeah. they're doing it, they probably couldn't answer properly. And that's the scary mm-hmm. part, is that they're doing it yeah. because we, we all know the opportunity the platforms provide us. There's billions of people consuming it every day. So it makes sense we, we you should consider showing up. But they're just doing, as you said, what everybody else is doing. Control V, control whatever it is, copy and paste. That's all it is. And they think that's how it mm-hmm. should be done. And there, there's, we're, we're, there's people making millions of dollars, there's professions, there's agencies that are doing this, that we're really not asking the right questions. Yeah, And it is, it is a scary thing to say because... I believe that we probably need a proper shakeup to do better work because if not, we're not, we're never going to improve what we do. We're the gatekeepers, not everyone else around it, because we're probably the most informed people to have a decision on the platforms. You know, I'm not somebody who's trying to get people to sign up to a, an email club that I have and try and sell $5 or $7 subscriptions. Like that's not, it's helping to an extent and it's telling the story of tactics. But that's just selling for individuals a way to monetize off this fragmented, crazy space we're in. And that is a, a big problem for me. 
And again, that's not to overly disrespect the views or opinions those people have, because I always fo- I also follow those people. I'm not, as I said earlier, a guru or an expert, or I'm not trying to say it's my way or the highway. I want us all to challenge each other more, ask the difficult questions, get uncomfortable with going that we don't really know what we're doing here. But for some reason, people want to be on these platforms. And they're right because there's billions of users. But there's surely a better way to do it. But we're all chasing the tactics and we're all chasing the quick wins and we're all chasing the silly metrics and we're trying to chase a quick buck. And that's what's happening. And that scares me. Um, And, you know, again, I, I can't say I'm not trying to do that either because I'm setting up a business in this industry. But I'm at least challenging myself to try and do it properly. I'm trying to ask the right questions to myself. I'm trying to ask the right questions to others. And I don't want to, because this is where we have to be careful as well, is because when we start pointing fingers or asking difficult questions to people who are not being upfront and transparent and not challenging themselves more and just copying each other, it feels like I'm trying to put people down or it feels like I'm being mean. No, I just want us all to do better because we can And if we don't, we're going to get less respect as it gets even more fragmented because this is all going to change very soon. Like, you know, this is like, this is going to evolve even quicker. There there may or may not be a new platform that might emerge very similar to what we call, I guess, traditional social, but you've got environments like Discord and Mastodon that most people in our industry haven't got a clue how they work. Yes, I'm dabbling a little and I'm using MidJourney to figure it out and using AI, but These are dark social spaces that people aren't engaging publicly. So how are brands going to insert themselves in when Gen Alpha come to town and most of their communication is in these spaces? We're done. So, you know, if if we don't start having these difficult conversations, you know, this is going to be a short ride. Uh, Thankfully enough, I'm probably old enough to retire when that happens. But, uh, you know, know, it's just... And I'm trying to do it in the best way. I'm trying to ask the best questions, but I don't believe there's enough people out there who are who are doing it. And most people who are, are being negative towards social media are the people who are outsider of our industry, who are in other forms of marketing, who would think we are a bunch of spoof merchants. And I find it hard to disagree with them sometimes. And of course, we're talking about the work you're you're doing now since leaving Ryanair, mm. at, uh, frankly. But I have to imagine a lot of this for... For brands that have been doing social for a little while, we talked about blowing everything up as attractive as that idea is. That's you know not really how most brands get on on social channels nowadays. But a lot of this is just change management, trying to organizations that are used to doing things a certain way, uh, and that's just how they do them. That's how they've measured them. That's how they've grown their business mm. to to think about and do them in a different way. That's really change management, isn't it? And that's that's kind of like, does that represent where we are in the maturity cycle of social media and brands kind of trying to make this work together? It depends. It, like a big amount of it for me is education at the moment. And it's actually convincing that there's a better way to do it. And it's convincing that what we've been doing to this point for the most of the work has been majority tactics and copying and and again looking at what the category is doing looking at what our competitors are doing and why aren't we doing what they're doing on social rather than taking a step back going wait guys 
you know, why are we here in the first place? And if we can't answer that question, well, then should we really be here? Should we really be doing it? Um, I'll give you an example. Um, there's a retailer I'm, I'm currently kind of partnering with at the moment. They work at the grocery space. And they've been doing and been present on social for many, many years, investing a lot of money and doing exactly the same as everybody else in the category. And their success metrics are reach. But reach isn't really their problem because they run 54 TV ad campaigns across the entire country in Ireland um, every year. That's more than one a week across every major TV station. They're in every national newspaper with a full page ad every day. They were in out of home across the entire country. They've got huge investments in digital media and they have many other forms of PR communications and sponsorships with some of the biggest portfolios within the country. So reaching awareness is not their problem, but yet for some reason reaches their success. Whereas like when you ask that question and when they invest so much and all they're doing for the majority is doing the same thing they're doing across every other channel on social because it's it's become tick box because that's the prescription because that's what the agencies or the support arms are doing because it's getting the money and nobody's asking questions because you have people all out thinking they know what they talk about. But when I go and ask, well, guys, reach is not the problem here. Why are we investing this much in doing this in the same way across other channels? Social can unlock many other opportunities. So why don't we get under the hood of the insight and find some other problems we could potentially solve? And we did that. And we went on the journey of developing a strategic framework. And we found three or four interesting problems that was coming through in brand surveys and brand trackers and insights. Then now we've honed in on, uh, we've created an articulation of a strategy. We have some decisions and hopefully they're going to start rolling it out. And I would be very confident if, if they actually execute this to 50% of its potential, it's immediately going to stand out from the category and succeed because of the things I said earlier and how, how, how point of difference and how this insight can lead towards being different than the category, solving a problem for brand. But, you know, it's more than just change management. I think it's, it, there's, there's, there's education, there's better strategic thinking that's needed because I don't think there's strategy being developed by most of the businesses and brands out there. And again, when people say they're doing it. I don't think they really are. I think when they talk most times, they're talking tactics. They might be talking content strategy or channel strategy. Again, strategy is kind of a, a bastardized word. And it's it, I, I even can get it wrong sometimes. And I'm even trying to, because I'm honing in on this so much, I'm trying to teach myself more. I'm trying to read more about it. I'm trying to develop a more simplified term. But, you know, strategy is problem solving for most and making a set of decisions about how to win. You know, and again, they're not hard and fast rules or a set of decisions. And another one I love saying is like strategy is also about sacrifice. It's about making decisions about what not to do. And that's where even we go wrong on social because it becomes this dumping ground. And we can all have that headache, every department in the business doing it. And that's where it's, it's, it's hard to survive and stop drowning from all that that's happening. And unless you go into a business and start to, like, to a part change management, to a part educate, to have a North Star and a focus as to why and communicate that to people in the business as to why we shouldn't be putting that happy pancake Tuesday day out for the bank because we're a bank and not a food provider. You know, we, we can potentially minimize that amount of drowning and be more focused in what we do. So it's a very difficult one to answer. And as you notice, as I talk to here, I, I go on tangents, but we've made it too complex 
um, that there's so much to unpack and rationalize that you'll eventually get to maybe a simple point point for me. And I think that's what I'm trying to do better with when when I when I go in and I want to go into businesses right now. It's about trying to simplify and educate and take them on a journey. And that's not going to be immediate either. And again, people think it's going to happen all right. It's not. How you win is is developing something that that's well thought out and then doing consistently over time. And that's kind of one of the timeless truths of how we build brands and one of the timeless truths about how we market. You know, it's about getting repetitive with the same messages, getting creative with repetition over time. And sometimes even you don't even need to change the creative, but yet we've created this machine and that, as I said, that snake oil sales, that Tupperware pyramid scheme, that the solution is more content. And the solution in some cases with that content is, oh, you posted it, now it's done, it can never be used, which is absolute bullshit because there's only a small amount of people who've potentially seen it, whether it's organic or it's paid. But for some reason, we've created this, this story in social that you can never use the same piece of content again. Well, we didn't do that in Ryanair. We reused content consistently over time and we got better ROI. And, and I, I give you another way of how I would frame this when I go into business. Imagine if I came into you as a, as a marketing director and I asked you for $250,000 to make a TV ad. But the caveat was it can only go on Fox Sports on 9 p.m. on Tuesday night and played once and once only. You tell me to get out the door and get lost and I'm nuts. You tell me that I need that TV ad to run on Fox and many other stations at repetition. I need to get a frequency of at least three and a half to four times to try and land that message and have recall for whoever sees that ad. But for some reason on social, we post it once and it's done. And these are the many countless times we have developed this set of bullshit that has made it difficult to convince people or make change. Now, again, I'm probably not answering your questions correctly. I'm probably just more ranting for 30 minutes. But that that just shows that the, the lack of thinking and the missed opportunities and the lack of, I guess, confidence a lot of people would have in social media professionals. They know we need to be there. They're pumping money in. But for some reason, they're not convinced that it actually works. And that's our fault. I think a lot of our, I think a lot of our listeners and community are taking notes right now and fueling a lot of catharsis in what you're saying because uh, it this is a... A growing pain. We've come this far as social media mm. professionals. So there's a, a growing pain I think everybody's going through. And, and in truth, I think that's a lot of the work that you're starting to do, you're building at uh, at your, your new venture, frankly. So, Michael, if people want to connect with you more and, and kind of keep up with you, where is the best place for them to do that? Is LinkedIn a good place? I'm not sure. I'll probably get cancelled for being so morbid on, on everything that's going on. And I don't want to be. I like... <laughs> I hope people get get the understanding that I really give a shit about this. And all I want people to do is to challenge, to have healthy dialogue, healthy debate, healthy different views, because there is plenty of ways. And yeah. the people I do point fingers at sometimes have some really great thoughts and really great thinking. And that challenges my thinking more. But I think as a, I don't know what it is, whether it's a generational thing, and I'll get to the, the little plug of myself in a second, but I just want to wrap it up because I think it's important. You know, healthy dialogue is important and it's not about, you know, calling out people and putting people there. It's just constructive debate. 
And that's all I'm kind of going on a journey. But if people want to see me, and you can see most times, if you go on LinkedIn, you'll find me at Michael Richard Corcoran. If I, you go to Instagram, TikTok, you'll find me at that machine or MikTok. Um, the business is called Frankly. Um, so if you search uh, dude who speaks frankly across most channels, you, you'll you'll tend to find me. And if you want to ask questions too, but what you'll get from me from the majority is probably me making memes about how crazy social media marketing is and how shit it is and is an industry <laughs> right now to be, I guess, you know, trauma bonding with others who relate to those experiences. Um, but also I'll try to start you know, imparting more information about the methods to how to do it. And a, a big part of that will be trying to teach people about strategy, trying to teach people about, you know, high performance teams how to set up a team, how to set up the processes um, to deliver better work over time. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, do connect with Michael. He has a lot to say. And I wouldn't say that. What you didn't <laughs> say is morbid by any means. It's a realist and we, we need to <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate uh, give ourselves space to uh, confront that in, in the work that we're doing right now. So Morbidity aside, I think, uh, please do, please do follow, follow Michael. A lot of great lessons. Uh, don't counsel me too soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we uh, have come almost to the end of our, our time with you. We could talk about this for uh, much longer than we have. But uh, if you are ready for it, we have a couple of the our final two questions. We ask all of our guests these, these two questions. So I've got the first one ready if you're up for it. I'll try, and I'm probably going to be really bad at this. <laughs> no, they're pretty easy. Well, the first one, I think you've you've already said a lot of of helpful things here. But the first question is, um, if you could give a single piece of advice to anyone who wants to do this work professionally, wants to be a social pro, what would it be? I think being relentless is one of the two things that I, I think is important. Um, because the platforms are forever changing, because we're in a state of crooks, because we're so young in what we do that we all need to be a little bit more relentless in trying to find how we fix brands shit on social. The second is being curious, um, being curious minded, willing to learn, willing to change, willing to listen to opinions, whether you agree with them or not, um, I think is really, really important. Um, there's probably one more I'd squeeze in there. And this is down to maybe a generational thing because our the younger generations are becoming digital savvy and social media savvy. It's born within their hand. What they may be missing is the timeless truths of marketing. And that's where I think a lot of shape and a lot of thinking would be improved if we started to learn a bit more about the timeless truths of marketing. So learning from people like the Mark Ritsons of these worlds, the Bennett's and the Fields of these worlds, the Rory Sutherlands, looking, reading, understanding what is the basics of marketing that we can do to build brands and convert people on these platforms, because that's what our job is at the end of the day. Um, and then applying it in the context of social. We don't need to go in the route of traditional advertising and its creative execution, but we all need to understand the basics of mental availability, physical availability, understanding how long-term brand building is really, really important with short-term tactics to try and convert them. So probably they're the three really strong ones I would advise social media people starting off now. I love that. Write that on my tombstone, please, because, you know, we don't really think about it like that. Like entering social is like seeing a baby and a toddler learn how to walk for the first time. So mm. absolutely love that. 
Um, and of course, your second question is, you had a few, couple minutes to think about it, but um, if you can have a video call with any living person, who would it be? Probably Will Ferrell. I think he is a comedic genius. I think I would learn a hell of a lot in terms of improv and his creative process. And I just think for some reason, he's just fun, potentially guy to be around nonstop. I'd love to go watch a game of soccer when I'm against LA. I think it's LA Galaxy is his team. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I think he's just a creative genius. And even he has been comedic goal to older generations like myself in my teenage years when old school and Anchorman came out. I probably quote stepbrothers every day of my life. But even in this modern time, he has evolved as an individual. He's just an all-around funny, creative genius. And um, yeah, I think it'd be, I'd love to spend some time with him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, you're the, I think you're the first guest to ever say Will Ferrell, but I would be totally down for that conversation. And if, in truth, one ever needs inspiration, you don't need to look any further than, than just hop on YouTube and go find his audition mm -hmm. video for Saturday Night Live when he played... Oh, uh, 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 a kitten playing with a, a string of ball, a ball of string. Uh, also, it's good. just. It's, and I think you. I think even you the sketches more inspiration. I think even the sketches of him with his his baby girl when she was the landlord looking for the money. He was even before social was becoming popular, understood how that kind of style of content was working in the platform. So even as an older person, and people think you, you can't use social if you're an old person, he, he got it and he understood it. And he, he applied his craft across many channels and he, he just knows how to storytell. He knows how to deliver great comedy and great creative. And, you know, he's probably even a very untapped guy within the advertising industry, which uh, I'd love to spend some time and figure out uh, how his brain works. Yeah. My gosh. Uh, well, we could spend a whole... We could probably dig into his career and uncover all kinds of cool things. Uh, that'll be a conversation for another time, though. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for being to be for being on Social Pros for sharing uh, all of your background at Ryanair and uh, the other work you're doing. As I said earlier, I think it's probably catharsis to a lot of our <laughs> listeners. Uh, it's the growing pains of social. So thanks for being here and, and sharing it, uh, listeners. Thank you. thank you for being here for another week of what we do hope is your favorite podcast in the whole world, Social Pros. 